From 2002 to 2008, World Wrestling Entertainment produced the Ruthless Aggression Era. Ruthless Aggression! As a power vacuum formed in the wake of wrestling's biggest boom period, WWE producers and superstars alike worked to reinvigorate their company and recapture success and acclaim. In the process, a string of future Hall of Fame level talent rose to the top and enjoyed crossover appeal in the public consciousness. We're going to take a trip back in time and travel through this amazing period in WWE history. The matches, the storylines, the home media and more. Every triumph and every heartbreak. Whether you were watching as it all unfolded, or you're here to learn about this era for the first time, this series will have something for you. This is Ruthless Aggression Relived. Ruthless Aggression! Hello and welcome to another episode of Ruthless Aggression Relived. My name's LT Fletcher and I'll be your guide down wrestling memory lane. And I know what you're thinking. You're looking at the episode title, you're saying, that's not Divas Undressed. You promise us women in bikinis. False advertising. I should sue. Well, as it turns out, uh, during the research stage, um, also known as watching things on the network, uh, it turns out that they rescheduled the special to the end of the week, so I'm afraid you've got to wait another episode, so I'm just going to have to make it up to you with this little one in between. Nothing important happens on here, only the debut of one of the most important wrestlers in history. And joining me on this episode is the wonderful, the very funny, Mr. Eddie O'Keefe. Eddie, how are you doing, buddy? Hello, I'm doing very good, except for the fact that I woke up and hurt my shoulder, which is great. I also want to say thank you for getting everything wrong, because I'm really glad I had to, I had to watch this, not the fucking Divas Undressed bollocks. Oh my god, Eddie, you would not believe. Uh, <laughs> just to uh, allay any fears, guys, don't worry, that episode is recorded. So uh, there shouldn't be a major delay between this one and the next one. And yes, in case you were wondering, it was... The worst shit imaginable. <laughs> so you have that to look forward to if you yeah. like suffering, your own or mine. Uh, but no, today, in fact, we're going to be looking at the 27th of June 2002 edition of SmackDown. But before mm. we do that, uh, whenever we have a new co-host on the show, Eddie, we like to get to their wrestling origin stories. So uh, first of all, how did you first get into wrestling? So I'm the youngest of four, which includes two older brothers. The earliest memories I have of wrestling are just lots of people being in the ring at the same time, building up to the Royal Rumble 2000. Oh. So I can remember flashes of things that happened very late 1999, um, mostly just Triple H being a dick, a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that heel DX just being dicks and then loads of people running to the ring to, to stop them, including The Rock and Too Cool and Rikishi. Those are my like earliest memories of like, this is a thing that my brothers are watching and I'm not really paying attention, but it is, it's there. Then, to, to, <laughs> to bring the mood down massively, 
my parents had a big fight and my mum was like, I'm taking the kids to a hotel for the night. Fine. Well, as a kid, not, I'm not clear what's going on. Fine. What's on TV at the hotel? It's the Royal Rumble 2000. Oh, shit. So my actual first time I remember sitting down watching TV, watching wrestling, was uh, <laughs> Mae Young getting out her puppies, which is just <laughs> just great. Wonderful. Um, Cactus Jack being pedigreed under thumbtacks. I remember that so vividly. Oh, what a match, though. Um, it's so fucking good. And then the Royal Rumble itself, just because, again, it was just more people in the ring at once. Um, so that's, that's why I always thought it was Royal Rumble I first watched. But I'm, I'm doing a big rewatch of every Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-view, currently uh, February 2000. Nice. And it's weird being in, like, November 1999 and being like, oh, I remember this somehow. <laughs> so my actual timeline's a bit muddled but it's around that time and i've not stopped really since i had one mini break uh 2001 to 2004 that was only because we had no way of watching wrestling at that point mm. anymore but we still bought the video games which at the time were very good at being like here's the new wrestlers and here's the stories that are kind of happening at the same time um so i've seen bits and pieces of the ruthless aggression era uh, I've watched a lot of the pay-per-views in that time because people record it for us, but there are big gaps in my actual watching of the weekly shows, which has been fun to revisit. Ah, so that uh, that was going to be my next question. Like, do you have any sort of familiarity with this era? But I'm guessing then it's going to be largely video game based in that case. Yeah, I, I kind of know some of the big moments. I know like who the king kings of the rings were, who the Royal Rumble winners were, some of the mania main events. And, oh, is, there, is this one then? Uh, some of the sillier stories, like Jamie Noble and Nidia when she went blind. <laughs> Which was uh, <laughs> the best shit ever, by the way. Like, yeah, Kane and Katie Vick, that kind of thing. Like, all the, oh. all the big classic hitters. I'm like, oh yeah, this happened, fine. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, st- I started getting back into it around the time Eddie turned heel on Chavo. Um, and Edge was feuding with Shawn Michaels. So around that sort of time, I started getting properly back into it. Excellent. Um, but I remember being like 14 and then doing like a reading through every report on WWE.com just to be like, what's, what's happened since? Um, which was a, a fucking journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, some dizzying highs, some worrying lows, shall we say? Yes. So, uh, fortunately, uh, you know, this evening, uh, on this uh, mm. podcast journey, we'll be able to recreate that experience of highs and lows because this was <laughs> oh. quite a roller coaster ride of a show in my opinion this, I, i've written some like final notes for the end of the podcast i'll spoil one for you now okay. this was definitely an episode of smackdown <laughs> it was one of the episodes of all time yeah <laughs> yeah i wrote here a mixed fart of an episode yes <laughs> now don't be too discouraged listener because i have to say the highs are very high indeed mm. uh so i think that could account for why wwe uh, are very keen to promote the opening segment of this episode in recaps mm-hmm. and the like over the years and then move on we, we look we've got a playlist <laughs> we've cut all the fluff out you only need to watch the john cena bits yeah. But we watched all of it, so we could tell you the whole story, because we are diligent, you see. I, I I was surprised at how um, older this felt than 2000 SmackDown. I get what you mean, yeah. There's a... Even... 
even now, like a month or so into the brand split, it still doesn't quite feel mm. necessarily like full on like ruthless aggression era. It still feels like the writers are kind of you know holding on to those remnants of the attitude era in a lot of ways. As a kid, how did you feel about the brand split? I thought it was quite interesting, to be honest. I mean, I, I, I. <sighs> I liked Raw and SmackDown as, uh, you know, a single brand, and I thought that was fine. I didn't see mm. that as a problem, but I, I think I understood it because it was like, well, okay, they've just taken on all these WCW guys, they've taken on all these ECW guys. If they're all going to get TV time, you kind of have to do something like this because otherwise your main event's going to be the same four people in perpetuity. Nobody has any chance of elevation. So I, I you know, I got it. And, and in fairness, I think it... Once things really get cemented and the rosters get a little bit more locked in place and there's less jumping mm-hmm. around, both of the shows have a, a, a unique sort of identity and a feel to them. So I think it's one of those that shaky start, but it gets there pretty quickly, I think. I think it's a great idea now. But as a kid, when my when Alex, my brother, was like, oh, they're, they're splitting off the brand, so some people are going to be on Raw, some are SmackDown. I was like, what? <laughs> That's an awful idea. I, I was hated it. I, I thought this was going to be the death of the company as a kid. I was like, "Is this fucking stupid?" The Rock's never going to face Stone Cold again. What's the point? <laughs> but he did. He did he though. Did. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. well, this is this is the thing. That's not an uncommon opinion, or wasn't at the time. I should say. A lot of people thought it was going to be a very risky move, and they they've mm. kind of painted it in recent years as like. You know, well, well, they didn't have any direct competition anymore. So, if you create your own competition by creating the brand, uh, the brand split, the brand split—that's quite—that's <laughs> revealing in some cases. Uh, if you create your own competition, then hopefully, you know, it means the writers are trying to one up one another, and you get two very good shows. Didn't always pan out, unfortunately. No, it just—it just led to brand supremacy at Survivor Series. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, or or the bragging rights pay per view, oh. and the winner receives. Nothing. <laughs> the winner receives Teddy Long. <laughs> Just look, thanks. Well, that is a, a grand, excellent prize. We shouldn't ever dismiss yeah. Teddy Long. It, you know, to be fair, <laughs> I'm going to say bragging rights. One of them has one of my all-time favourite matches on it, so I can't even be too mad about that is show. That, Sammy, is that, is that Brian and Punk? Uh, it is, in fact, Brian and Ziggler, if you can believe it. Oh, God, Ziggler was good once. He was good. Who, who's, <laughs> who's Brian? Who's Ziggler? They don't exist in 2002. They're not real. Brian no. Danielson was working in bingo halls. What a nerd. He doesn't even <laughs> own a TV, to quote Michael Cole. <laughs> oh, so dear. hop into your time machines, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to head back to June 27, 2002, where Michael Cole and Taz are ringside at the Chicago All-State Arena for SmackDown. Eddie, are you ready to get into this? I found it interesting, the intro bit when it's like still says attitude entertainment i thought that was interesting Mm, they didn't change that um quite yet Uh, like it's not far off getting switched around Mm. um because obviously this is the week that vince has delivered the ruthless aggression promo so, you, you couldn't tell. They don't say it often enough in this show, do they? <laughs> no, Jesus Christ. Very, very subtle. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> so yeah, they you know they've had the company rebrand. They're going in a new direction. So we are going to get sort of the new ident at the start. It's it's one of my mm. one of my favorites, and I, obviously listeners of the podcast will know I use the tune from it at the start of each episode. Mm-hmm. To get you in the mood, you see, because I like to, you know, I like to set the scene. Um, but yeah, it is a little jarring going back to this, and you got the old Attitude Era intro, which, by the way, still makes me absolutely fired it's up to watch so, some dude go through a table. It's so good, isn't it? It really though? is. Speaking of good, the theme song, even though Marilyn Manson is a fuck, the theme song is so good for SmackDown. Yeah, this is quite possibly my favorite SmackDown theme song of them all. Mm-hmm. I like I I just I bloody love it. Bloody love it. It's so good. <sighs> I, and honestly, the bits that don't have Marilyn Manson in them, like the actual yeah instrumentation, the yes, it's fuck so me, good. it's great. Oh. So we start the show, ladies and gentlemen, with the reveal that Hollywood Hulk Hogan will face Chris Jericho later in the night. What a genuinely good main event. Yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, on paper, at least. <laughs> yeah. Well. You know, I will start by saying Hogan is a cunt and I don't like him. Absolutely. But like but like Jesus Christ, there's there's two big names right yeah. there for the main event of a smackdown. It's just like wait, what? It's and, insane. Absolutely. To be fair, they could have given this on uh, on pay per view, I think. Jericho mm. was certainly a big enough star at this stage. Hogan is Hogan, and we've mm. addressed many times the fact that yes, he's not exactly the greatest worker in the company at this point, but he's still a draw and the fans are still behind him. So it's insane how someone like Hogan was so popular in 2002 still by doing very little. I and mean, mm. you just would never get that now. I don't think. Oh God, no, no way. It's, it's remarkable. Cause like he bet like you count the number of matches he has and it's not mm. very many. I mean, and honestly, like if you look on something like cage match or uh, cage match, cage match, uh, that like records everyone's matches ever. Hogan's mm-hmm. wrestled surprisingly few matches throughout his very long career, so it's uh, it's interesting how he's managed to have that longevity. I suppose it's the uh, it's the marquee factor of Hulk Hogan, really, mm. isn't it? So you know he, he's it's crazy. He's a draw rather than uh, his wrestling, because well, it's not very good, <laughs> is it? <laughs> Do you think Young Michael Cole sounds like Kermit the Frog? <laughs> Or is it just me? It didn't occur to me, I'll grant you, but admittedly, he did at one point say, hi-ho, Michael V. Cole here. <laughs> yeah. And then, yay! Yeah, he's like yeah, waving his arms around. <laughs> he, he just went, Rebecca Cole and Tez are ringside! And I was like, alright, calm down. It's uh, the Smackdown show with Cole and Tez and our special <laughs> guest, Mr. McMahon! Yay! Taz would be Uncle Deadly's the miserable sound fucking face on him. <laughs> So the st- uh, the show proper begins with an address from Mister McMahon, uh, or Tass calls him Big Vin. Big Vin, <laughs> yeah, Tass, like, Big Vin, Cole. I was like, Ta- no, <laughs> now this you don't call him Big Vin. No, this is very strange because Vince is already in the ring, and mm. he hypes up Kurt Angle. Uh, he calls Kurt his friend. He reminds us all that Kurt made Hulk Hogan tap out at King of the Ring. And then simply leaves. I remember that King of the Ring match because I didn't really know much of Hulk Hogan at the time. Mm. That may have been my first time seeing him, apart from him and... Did him with the Rock already happen? It must have done. Uh, yes, mainly 18. Yeah. But I remember I remember Hogan tapping out and it was like the, it was a big deal. Oh, yeah. Um, I believe that's the only submission loss he's ever had to this day, if, mm. unless I'm mistaken. And feel free to correct me on Twitter, guys. Possibly something in TNA, maybe, but well, that doesn't count because it's not counting. <laughs> 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 to either to either this show or to Hulk Hogan's life. Uh, 
<laughs> so Vince uh, Vince goes away. Kurt takes the mic. Um, Kurt's got his headgear back on, despite the fact it's been pulled off. So <laughs> I love his shit wig. It's so, so much. good. Though. Um, he says he may as well be the poster boy for ruthless aggression. And mm-hmm. uh, in you know, in fairness, uh, in many ways, he actually sort of would come to be pretty much that. So a prophetic mm-hmm. angle there. Uh, he boasts about beating Hogan and Undertaker, but says the fans are unappreciative of his greatness. Uh, the fans give him the old "you suck" chant, and he says the fans are the ones who suck, but their chants won't work on him anymore. He isn't bothered by them now, and he rips the headgear off and finally fully embraces being bald. And he looks so much better bald; it's ridiculous. So good. It's I, my notes here say I remember how weird bald Kurt was when I first saw it, and mm. now it's weird seeing him with hair again. It's, it's just it's odd going back to Kurt with the short hair. It's it's not right. I really like his darker ring gear as well, because mm. this and his new hair, it just feels like a big tonal shift to angle the character, yeah. even though he's, he's still being a bit silly and he's still being a bit like, uh, I'm actually great, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but he's not doing it in like the I'm an American hero kind of way. It's this very subtle change and the ring gear changing, I think, reflects that. And it's just very nicely done. Yeah, he's he's still funny, but he's not goofy anymore at this yes. point. Not yet. So, no. <laughs> I like I I think that's kind of a good balance for Kurt to be honest because I know he's happiest with the portion of his career when he was the wrestling machine but to me I always mm-hmm. like a Kurt that's going to make me laugh. Yeah, it's always nice that you can always get both and if like he's just so good at doing any of them. It's it's Kurt. amazing the amount of like comic chops that Kurt Angle of all people has because mm-hmm. you'd think you know pure wrestling guy that's a very sort of straight-laced kind of gimmick but from night one, when they had him get on the mic and say, you do not mm-hmm. boo an Olympic gold medalist. I think it was like, okay, <laughs> oh. this guy's going to be amazing. Did you know that was his idea? I did not know that, no. Yeah, so they wanted to push him as the American hero. Mm. You're Olympian, great. And he was like, no. <laughs> I, want to do, I, I want to do that, but I want to do it so over the top and like almost too sincere that people boo me. And it's just like, wow, that's fucking, that's some knowledge you have that's right there good. immediately. He's, he's, he's a, he's a bloody good wrestler, is Kurt. Oh, he gets it. Angle. He's so best. much. The GOAT. Uh, Kurt, speaking of humour and comedy, Kurt asks the fans if it's funny that he's bald, and then asks if it was funny that he beat Hogan and Taker. Um, <laughs> Kurt says he thinks that much is funny, a barrel of freaking monkeys, which makes Michael Cole do the tiniest <laughs> little giggle. Ah, oh, Kurt Angle's so good at, like, doing these big, like, like almost like a take that insult, like The Rock would do. Yeah. But Kurt's, al- Kurt's always so lame yes! shit. <laughs> Kurt says he's on a roll and decides he's going to show someone what ruthless aggression is all about. He issues mm. an open challenge to anyone in the locker room that he's never wrestled before to come down mm. to the ring and face him. He says he's giving someone a chance to become a sensation just like him. Kurt says he'll take it easy on them as surely someone backstage wants to be spoken of 50 years from now. And then after... What, what's, sorry, what's, nice is, mm. what's nice is... What's nice is... He's he's doing this promo and he's saying I want to I want to challenge someone and it takes a good two minutes or someone actually comes out yes which first thing is like is there anyone Kurt hasn't beat or wrestled mm. and does anyone want to challenge him because he's quite scary and he is a threat he did make Hogan tap out and exactly. beat Taker the champion it's just a nice way to be like 
shit, who is there to fight Kurt now? Yeah. It it kind of reestablishes Kurt as a bit of a, a bit of a threat, and also mm. you get the added bonus of whoever does answer the call is gonna look mm. like they're not afraid of that threat. You know, they're, yes. they're well, not in a so good. not in a not in a way that diminishes Kurt, but in a I'm not backing down from a fight kind of way. Mm-hmm. To that so end, nice. out comes a fresh faced, lantern jawed young man with a chiselled physique, <laughs> a short crew cut and the most generic rookie wrestling gear you can possibly think of. Mm. Michael Cole tells us his name. And his name is John Cena! Uh, Kurt asks who Cena is. Cena tells Kurt. Kurt asks (laughs) Cena what one quality he possesses that makes him think he can face the very best in the business. And Cena responds, ruthless aggression a massive slap and a double leg takedown later and ladies and gentlemen we have ourselves a match that's how you open smackdown by the way that slap fucking slaps oh like gen- <laughs> it's so good cena went for it yeah so uh yeah we're straight in with a match on this one um L- lt i have a question for you let's hear it can you have non-ruthless aggression um <laughs> The, op- the oh. opposite of ruthless, according to Google, is merciful, compassionate, and gentle. Gentle doesn't fit. What's your name, John Cena? Oh, what makes you, you can beat me? Merciful aggression. Just like gives him a little kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do you know what you've done there? You've basically unravelled the entire podcast. <laughs> so thanks for that. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> There's pa- pack it up, guys. There's no point now. Eddie's, Eddie's killed the entire. <laughs> He's he's just undermined six years of wrestling programming. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Souls, souls. It's fine. It's all fake anyway. <laughs> I like uh, straight away. This is a this is a good little. You know, this starts off very well. Cena straight away clotheslines Kurt to the outside, works him over, punches clotheslines. I I think it's worth saying it's very basic rookie offense. Of course, he's not. Oh yeah. Cena's not a guy that's worked the indies. He did come up through. OVW, uh, which was WWE's training territory at the time. But mm-hmm. the way he's doing it, it's with this particular kind of explosiveness, and it really helps that he's in there with what's, Kurt, who's making him look a million dollars. What's interesting is Cena's obviously very powerful and strong and explosive. Yes. But when he's going for covers, there's a real lack of urgency, which is like, well, he's a rookie. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's intentional or not, but like he, he does a couple of times, he t- tries to pin Kurt twice in a row, and every time he's like, "Go for the cover," kicks out. Oh, might as well go for the cover again, <laughs> as opposed to like jumping on him. It's just like, mate, it's just little things. I'm just like, you can tell he's, you can tell he's is a rookie here. Mm, it's, um, it's and it's really interesting to see. Very well, sort of constructed sort of storyline of the match in that regard. Did you? This may be cut. Did you see the horrible sign of the crowd? Oh, I didn't. What was this? This says, Austin 316 says, I just beat my wife. Oh, God. Oh, no. That was like like second row on the hard camera. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, I suppose then we have to sort of... uh, Do you know what? I didn't. I had forgotten what the timeline of that event was. I suppose we do have to address that, don't we? I think so. This was around the time that the news came out there'd been a domestic incident between Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, recently of the company, and uh, his real-life wife, as well as his on-screen wife, Deborah. Um, 
Now, we don't know to this day the full details of that incident uh, because a, uh, a legal agreement was signed that neither of them would talk about what happened. So we'll never know fully. But uh, unfortunately, it does mean that Austin does forever have this black mark on him for having uh, a domestic violence incident, uh, incident attributed to him. Has he left the company at this point? Yeah, he's been gone a couple of weeks at this stage. Hmm. So it's, yeah, everything unraveled real fast for Steve there, unfortunately. Um, this I'm sorry, is. I've, I've come onto this podcast, shat all over the roof of the <laughs> and brought up two sad stories immediately. Do you know what, though? I think it is it is worth mentioning because this is going to be a thing that ultimately it is kind of going to play into something that's coming down the line. Obviously, they don't do a Steve Austin wife beater story like that, would be horrendous. I'm generally surprised they did. Well, well, in fact, yeah. Um, but when Austin does return to the company, they promoted his interview with Raw magazine mm. massively. And that, I'll be honest, actually, that was the first wrestling magazine I ever bought because it was so heavily promoted on TV. And it was like, where, where's Austin been? What's his side? And mm. even then, like I say, there's still a, a big question mark. There's a big mystery and we'll never know the full details. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, like I say, it does mean that uh, arguably the greatest superstar in wrestling history is uh, forever tarnished. Mm. So we get, uh, so, as as Eddie was saying, uh, Cena's kind of taking the taking the fight to Kurt, but Kurt's sort of using the veteran instincts in a way to to uh, get the upper hand. Like there's there's moments where Cena goes for a cover, but Kurt will trip him up and pick the ankle for the mm. ankle lock. Um, it's some wonderful stuff Kurt always does with wrestlers, especially like first matches or like when Kurt was first starting out. He just out wrestles people. Yes, in a very technical Olympic fashion. It's just like you just see it happen. He's like, God, Kurt is just so fucking good. He's brilliant. We get uh, a moment uh, where Kurt rakes Cena's eyes and attempts the angle slam, which of course would probably be over, but no, Cena gets free and nails a DDT for a two, which was uh, quite a nice little surprise. Oh, I hated that DDT he did. <laughs> it was a little messy. <laughs> like, I like when Rock slaps the back first because it's just like a, ah, fuck you, but Cena was like <laughs> throwing his arms up in the air. Like, <laughs> Yay! I was like, no, mate, come on. Um, but again, he's he's very green at this stage. It just made me yes. feel like, God, he just wouldn't do that now, would he? No. <laughs> it really made me laugh. We have uh, the very first instance of John Cena's, oh, no, you don't, Irish whip reversal, <laughs> where he does a little hop over <laughs> his opponent, which oh, is... I, lo- I love that hop. I love it, too. It's, it's, it's one of those things that only John Cena does, but it's <laughs> it's great. It's a, it's a cool little unique thing for him. Um so yeah, reverses uh, the Irish Whip into a power slam for a two. Uh, Cena covers Kurt again, but can't keep him down. And eventually, Kurt catches Cena off guard with a chicken wing roll up to get a three Ugh. in a astonishingly packed five thirty eight. Actually, There's, we kind of that glossed over felt a lot much of longer. The, yeah, we glossed over a lot of the details there because, like I say, this is a very packed five thirty eight. There's a lot going on mm-hmm. in it. Um, At one point, um, Cena does a spine buster. Yes. And I wish he kept doing that more, mm. was my note here. And then I just wrote, more spine busters in wrestling, please. They They're are so simple. Cool and I'd love a spine buster. Triple H caught him backstage and said, hey, buddy. Only, <laughs> yeah. only one of us at a time, all right? 
But but then yeah, no, yeah. Then, then then of course he saw Batista's and he was like, Do you know, what, actually. <laughs> yeah, I um I liked that. Cena got loads of genuinely very close two counts, even yes. though I knew the result of the match because I t- obviously knew about this match. Sure. I was still I was still was like, oh, hang on, <laughs> there was some really good close two counts, and Kurt is so good at like the last minute kick out. Yes, as well. he's apparently he had a reputation with the referees for those. Um, like the the two point nine 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 kickouts, uh, which is him and the Rock. Yes. I think two of the best that ever do it. Yes, the Rocks are the Rocks incredible at, at getting the shoulder up at the last moment because not like genu- generally speaking as well with the Rock when he got those close uh, kickouts, oh. the fans would lose their shit as well. So it was always a, an incredible. It's moment. Just I, I I still get goosebumps thinking about them. Mm. Being as a, as a kid watching them, just being like, I love the Rock. <laughs> I'd be terrified as a wrestler, honestly, leaving it that close. I'd be so scared oh. of the referee's hand hitting the mat. If you fuck it up, it's so embarrassing. It is. It? Taz <laughs> remarks that he doesn't think Kurt will be offended if he never sees John Cena mm. again. And oh, if only he knew the future they'd <laughs> oh. have together. Uh, Cena goes to shake Kurt's, uh, Kurt's hand, but Kurt looks at John Cena as if he just dug his <laughs> cock out. Kurt's face is like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Absolutely it's not. It's so funny. <laughs> I also love that Kurt pinned Cena. Yes. But C- Cena was the first one to stand up yes. as well, which is just sort of nice little detail. Yes, very good star building stuff. Also, um, Cena doesn't sweat much anyway. No. But he looks like he's barely sweating. Kurt Angle is like drenched. Oh, Kurt is a very sweaty man in the ring. It's just, again, it's a nice way to just be like, that's just how they are. But because <laughs> Kurt, Kurt Angle was lying on the floor like, oh, I beat him. Yes. It's just, look how knackered he is. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Cena's, like, barely got warmed up. It's insane. Uh, Kurt walks away confident that John Cena is beneath him, but Cena motions he nearly had Kurt's number. He refuses to back down, and Kurt heads back to the ring, only to walk away once more. Boo, what a heel. I love that. It's an easy heel thing to do. Just like, I'm not going to give you what you want. No. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, a star is born. Well, sort of. Uh, it'll be a while before Cena is fully formed as any kind of character. What mm-hmm. we get in this match is sort of the basic building blocks of what make up what we now recognise as John Cena's signature offence. But in truth, I think the real talent here was Kurt, helping guide a fresh rookie through what was very probably an absolutely terrifying debut against the man who was, let's face it, the best wrestler alive in 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, some 21 years later, John Cena is hailed by WWE as the greatest of all time. Now, I don't know mm-hmm. about you listeners, but I'm quite looking forward to revisiting how it all came together. What did you make you, of this one? I I had seen this match before, but I didn't really notice before how just how good Kurt Angle is. <laughs> like, I've always loved it. Even as a kid, I loved to hate Kurt Angle because yeah. he was such an easy heel. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'd seen this as I got an older. Like, I like seeing, oh, seen this first match against Kurt Angle, but just to see it, because I'm looking at it for for a podcast, I'm just like, wow, look at how good Kurt is. Yes. I forget, I forget how good he is at just picking up a body part from nowhere and then rolling it into a submission. Um, Cena also didn't look too nervous. No. We also get another another debut in ring later, mm. and that that person has like fear in his eyes. <laughs> Um, but Cena was just like, no, this is what I do. It's great. He already had a nice 
cockiness about him, which leads into his early character stuff really well. Oh, yes. Um, and Kurt's just great at being a dickhead. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's almost it's almost surprising that he's so lovely in real life because he's so skilled at being an absolute twat on the TV. He's. I just, like, when Cena went for the handshake, Kurt could have just walked away, but the face he pulled was mm. such like a... No! <laughs> How how dare you try to shake my hand? Like he's just walked in on his living room and shat on his dog. <laughs> in a very similar sense, at the what pay per view was it recently? Where pe- oh, it was the one in England, the one in the bank? The people were chanting at Roman Reigns, "Stand up if you hate Roman." <laughs> and then he sat he sat down, and then he folded his arms and went, "Stupid wrestling fans in England suck." <laughs> He didn't have to do that, but it just—it's just little things like that make it so much better. He could have just been like waving them off and gone, "No, shush." But he sat down, crossed his arms like a baby. I was like, "This is so good." I love when a heel just takes that extra little step to be like an actual dickhead, and not just be like, "Oh, you're a virgin crowd." Yeah, yeah. yeah no. Exactly. Uh, backstage, then after the break, the SmackDown mid card congratulates Cena on a job well done. But they all weird mix of people, isn't it though? <laughs> Uh, They all soon clear off, though, when another figure arrives, The Undertaker. Mm -hmm. Taker asks Cena who he is, and Cena gives his introduction. Well, he clearly wasn't listening to the fucking show, though, was he? Uh, Cena said it. (laughs) The the, the backstage telly was on mute, apparently. Uh, Undertaker (laughs) extends his hand, and Cena shakes it. Taker tells Cena, nice job, and leaves. Cena looks at his hand and smiles. (laughs) I had two notes here. Mm -hmm. Uh, one taker took off his glasses and <laughs> I wrote, I hope he gives them to Cena. They do the, they, they do the tool, cool, <laughs> they do the two cool dance. That would be uh, amazing. Then I said, um, Undertaker's given John Cena the Hollywood handshake because he is this week's star baker. Oh God. <laughs> I was just reminded of the, the Simpsons, but I'm never washing this hand again. It's like, <laughs> Jump forward yeah. to a hand covered in spit. That's and why he doesn't. You can't girl. see me with that hand. You see. <laughs> Up next, then we have a WWE Tag Team Championship match with Billy and Chuck, <laughs> accompanied by Rico, just... taking on. Oh my God! What a tag team! Hardcore <laughs> Holly and the Big Valboski. <laughs> I just wrote what a shit tag team. <laughs> now, Awful. Now I think sometimes. <laughs> You get these little visual indicators of who's going over in a match. So, Hardcore and Val come out in matching gear, which means they're win- Wait a minute! Mm-hmm. Pretty standard Billy and Chuck SmackDown tag match is what I've got as my note here. Did you hear what Michael Cole said at the beginning of the match? Go on. They've talked about teaming up for years. No, they didn't! <laughs> what? Don't just lie. I feel like they've never interacted before. They're like, oh yeah, Harga, Harga, Holly, and Valvin have been here for a while. Really tough guys. Team up talking up for years. Like, they haven't. They just haven't. Harga was a heel two weeks ago. What are you on about? <laughs> yeah. Harga, Holly never looked at porn star Valvin and went, I want to tag with that guy. <laughs> no just way. didn't happen. No way. Uh, Awful. A lot of stiff shots in this one. I think everyone got energised by Bob being in the match and going, do you know what, actually, let's play his game and just knock the fuck out of one another. Oh. Uh, rope rebound knee drop from Val gets him a two. Then we get a little double team elbow drop from uh, the challengers to Chuck. But Billy drop kicks Bob behind the ref's back. Uh, a continuance of generic SmackDown tag spots ensues. Yes, there, there is a spot to do at one point. Um, I think Chuck Irish whips someone into a Billy Gun dropkick. Yes. 
And I was just like, that's so good. Just whipping someone into a, a clothesline or a dropkick never happens. And it's so simple. Because then you, the guy can't stop. Mm. He's not just running into it. And it's someone pushing him into the, the move. More of that, please. Yeah, that's to be honest, that's very basic but effective tag team work. That's yeah, that's that, double teaming without having to innovate a double team move. So that, it made me pop. It was like a whip into a dropkick, and I was like, you never see that. And also, you could then reverse the Irish whip and still do the dropkick. That seemed like a a silly fuck up. It's like, oh shit, I couldn't stop myself dropkicking because I was in the air. Yeah, I I just really liked it. I thought more of that. I also wrote, I don't know why, but Valvinas looks like a very muscly baby. <laughs> he does a little bit. He's very thick in the neck. Unfortunately, he also has the brain of a very muscly baby, but that's yes. a different story for a different time. <laughs> uh, Bob gives Chuck <laughs> a lovely backdrop out of the corner. Both men make a tag. Uh, Val does the House of Fire. Gigantic fucking spinebuster from Val to Chuck, which was oh, another beautiful spinebuster. Gorgeous. I was very happy. Uh, he goes for the Fisherman's Buster, but Rico hits the ring, only to be sent towards Bob by Val. Uh, who gives Rico an Alabama slam. Val, unfortunately, turns around to a Savat kick from Chuck, which sets him up for the famous from Billy, which lets Billy pick up the win and retain the belts at 4.22 in what I've got down here as very generic stuff. Generic stuff, but a lot of big hitting moves. I love the Savat kick. Um, I think a lot of super kicks nowadays, not just an AW. No, no. NXT as uh, well. <laughs> yes. I think a lot of super kicks nowadays are too clean. Um, yeah. And just too uh, choreographed almost. That's a really shit way to say because it's wrestling. <laughs> they're, they're, too, they're too video game, like perfect every single time. Yeah. Um, the the, the Savat kick was like perfectly done, but it just because Chuck Palumbo is quite a big guy, it just felt rougher. Deceptively felt, big dude, Chuck Palumbo, yeah. Yeah, it felt rougher and it felt more impactful. Mm. Also, the Famouser, mm-hmm. I love that move. Yes. It's so simple but so brilliant. Um, but it has the stupidest name. It does. It just doesn't make sense. It was the Famouser. It's like famous but more. Not a word, lads. I googled it earlier. Famous <laughs> is not a word. Well, of course. When he was Mr. Ass, it was the Famouser and... But it also makes less sense because Famous, it's, not, it's a pun on the word that isn't real. Yeah, but, yeah, but it has ass in it, you see. <laughs> Oh, he put a little ass just, on it. He followed Rikishi's advice and put a call little it ass back. on it call like it, a baby. Call it, call it, put a little ass on it. Great. <laughs> but, Famous, it just does, it's not a real word. But Why what, are you calling it that? Worst of all, it uses his legs, not his ass. So, <laughs> Did you know The Undertaker did that move very briefly? Did he really? How fair yeah, in my re- In my rewatch, like, I think it's just before Ministry Taker, mm. um, like maybe 95, he did the famous a couple of times, and I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> was it or was it not originally the rocker dropper that Marty Jannetty did? Oh, maybe. So Billy Gunn and Undertaker both using the ultimate jobber's finishing move. Undertaker was the third member of the Rockers. So that makes sense. <laughs> Jesus God. Ah, uh, backstage, Tori Wilson combs her hair. Uh, and apparently she's going to show off her outfits for Divas Undress, which has been rescheduled to Saturday night. See, isn't my fault I got it wrong. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, after the break, she comes out wearing a gown and shows off her underwear, and I'm pretty sure she did not, in fact, wear this on the show. Uh, backstage uh, I, I, again. Sorry, go ahead. I have no notes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Just, what did you say? This occurred. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Backstage in the locker room, Nidia and Jamie Noble are preparing for a match. Uh, I didn't like this segment. <laughs> Tajiri is also here, and he is haunt up, ladies and gentlemen, at Nidia He's just leering at her. Mm. Noble <laughs> offers Nidia up to Tajiri, and Tajiri gets a big smooch from Nidia. Uh, and the punchline here is Tajiri pulls Nidia's chewing gum out of his mouth. Teehee. Yeah, Jamie Noble said you can get more of that if we win. Is he pimping out Nidia if he wins matches? I Yeah, and it, honestly, I, I don't know... I'm not certain how that works. No, I don't like it. No. Don't <laughs> don't a pimp, ladies and gentlemen. I, I just I saw this segment and I was like, it is 2002, isn't it? It is. And f- what makes it even worse is at no point did Jamie Noble suggest that anyone roll a fatty for him, which means he's not even doing his job as the pimp. <laughs> oh, hey. don't you fucking dare. <laughs> I, I just want to say I hate The Godfather. <laughs> Nothing against the man at all, but I'm watching every Raw and SmackDown, and for at least four months, it feels like, he's come to the ring and just done the exact same fucking promo every single time, and I'm fucking sick of it. <sighs> Are you not a... Grow up. <laughs> you, you don't have your pass for the whole train, then, I'm guessing. No, I'm good. No, no you, you, take... you're sitting in coach, not sitting in first class. I'd rather walk. <laughs> <laughs> take the whole train. Just, oh. Uh, Taz and Cole tell us Triple H is going to be out for shoulder surgery. How insane does Cole look in a t-shirt? It's very weird and wrong. I hated it. It made me upset. <laughs> so used to him in the suit. Like, yeah. Young, wearing a t- young frosted tips bangs goatee Michael Cole in t-shirt. Get the fuck out I'm, of I'm, I'm used to, I also remember him in like a blue or red shirt when he was on SmackDown, like early mm. SmackDown. But he's just, he's just wearing a tight blue t-shirt here. <laughs> and I was like, what are you doing? It's not fucking non-uniform day, mate. <laughs> Bring like double <laughs> denim, Michael Cole. Yes. <laughs> this freaked me out. I didn't like it. It really bothers me. It's wrong. <laughs> uh, so Triple H is out for shoulder surgery after Undertaker pure fucked his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And to prove it, we get slow-mo footage, which seems a little bit ghoulish. Uh, he's only due to be out for two to three weeks. So in conclusion, they may as well have not said anything. Yeah, I wasn't sure if this was his big injury, but then I remembered it wasn't because that was invasion time. Mm. So it, I just like, did he get injured again? And I just completely forgot about it, but it was just inconsequential. Yeah, I guess. very minor injury. It does seem to be legit from what I can tell, but just very mm. minor. Uh, backstage, Hogan. Mm-hmm. The WWE Burn of the Night <laughs> is brought to you by Stacker 2, uh, in which Landstorm says America is prejudiced towards Canada and every other country. He says America mm-hmm. sucks. What a burn. Yeah. I never really cared for the un-Americans because I'm not an American. <laughs> no, no um, it's just like, yeah, do you know what? You kind of have a point. <laughs> I refuse to be angry. <laughs> as, as a kid, it was like, oh, who are the un-Americans? Oh, they hate America. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Broadcasting 50 countries, this show. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine, you know. But like, it just it had no impact on me at all. No. Really, so. I've kind of unfairly judged Lance Storm based on that. I'm just like, <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of Lance Storm, here he comes to one of the dullest theme songs I've ever heard. Also, it's impossible not to see his massive knob through his tights. <laughs> Lance Storm just swinging his Canadian flagpole there. <laughs> he was not wearing a cup, and if he was, that's a shit cup. Lance, it... The crowd have one million percent been sweetened here because they are unreasonably oh, yeah. loud for Lance Storm of all people. I'm sure he's great. I just 
Yeah, he seems to be a good dude, but like nobody cares about him at this point in 2002. Just come on now. Yeah. Single leg crab for a finisher. Come on, dude. He does a lovely superkick later, though. He does. Uh, we see a little backstage pre-tape from Storm, who vows on behalf of all countries to beat an American. Good man. Anyway, he's facing <laughs> Mark Henry. With the shittest theme music ever. Oh, Lord. But never mind that, because Mark Henry's at it again. He's done a strongman contest, in it. Mm. We see footage of what he was up to at the event. His goal was to attempt something no man had ever done before, lifting the Thomas Inch... 172-pound unliftable dumbbell with one hand. Um, lifted it, didn't they? Yep. Yep. I wrote here, I'm sure it means a lot to Mark Henry. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, I, I don't get impressed by strong men. Like, it's, it is impressive. It is, sure, it's, it is impressive, but it's not but like, a wrestling... So- the way, the way that some people though. would, yeah, some people would love it. And I'm just like, great, I can see it's impressive, mm. but you know, I, you know, don't get me wrong, Fe- <laughs> feats of humans going past the mortal limit—that is, you know, that's something that I find, like, like you say, it, it is impressive, and I recognise that. And if someone mm. were to say, "Hey, I can drag a plane using my teeth," I'd be like, "You go on, mate, fucking good for you." Yeah, but that doesn't mean I'm going to give a shit about you as a wrestler, unfortunately. No, and I have a theory on why this is the case, and we'll get to it during this match. Okay, because now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Landstorm versus Mark Henry in what promises to be a clash for the ages. Mm -hmm. Uh, Naturally, Henry overpowers Storm immediately. Lance goes for some speedy stuff, but Mark manages to outmaneuver him. He seats Lance on the top turnbuckle. Oh, this is so good. (laughs) Seats him on the top turnbuckle, then just punches him to the outside. (laughs) Fucking incredible. Lance Storm slapped him in the face, and Henry was like, no, fuck you. (laughs) Just wailed on him. It was so good. Uh, He then gets outside the ring, and... You you can sort of see how the magic is done a little bit. There, there's a bit of cooperation, but it looks great. I still love it. I still love he this spot. Throws Lance from the floor over the top rope into the ring. It's incredible. Do do that in every match. Yes, this is my theory here. Mm. We never got enough of strong Mark Henry no. in his later runs. He was in later runs, especially. He was always like, "Oh, he's big in it." Yeah, as opposed to he is strong. Yes. If we had more Mark Henry is strong, I think he would have been a bigger deal earlier on. Uh, even though I love his Hall of Pain stuff, that was mostly just Mark Henry is big, in it? Yeah. As a, Mark Henry as is to, an angry, mean man. Yeah, but here he's doing like fucking Gorilla Press Slams like at least three times, oh. just like just throwing Lance Storm about and like punching him out of the ring, punching him into the ring. Just like more of this, more of Mark Henry is strong, not just big, please. Absolutely. Uh, Lance thumbs Mark's eye, chops him in the corner, but Mark Henry is like a freight train and shuts him down with no effort. He gets the bear hug locked in, but Lance bites his fucking head! Uh, Lance then foolishly attempts an Irish whip, and Mark simply cunts him into the ring post. (laughs) (laughs) He gives Lance the world's strongest slam, goes for a splash, but Lance evades, fires off a slingshot dropkick, followed by a superkick, for a frankly unbelievable three count in two minutes and that ten was seconds. Such a beautiful super kick though. It was lovely. He like did like a two-step into it and then just fucking knocked his head <laughs> off. And it was so nice. 
Christian comes out to applaud Storm on a job well done. What did we think to this one? It's surprisingly good, actually. Short but I was sweet. Shocked. I I thought it was going to be lumbering Mark Henry is shit, but yes. it was like no, Mark, l- lumbering Mark Henry is strong, and it was such a difference because he wasn't just big Mark Henry. He was like, I'm strong, Mark Henry. I'm clumsy and I'm slow. But I'm strong, and it's such a difference. Mm. <sighs> it makes me angry that we could have missed on so many good stuff because Mark Henry was big, not strong, and also occasionally. He does a sex instead of strong. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. Uh, backstage once more. Oh, a lot of backstage tonight. Taker yes. walks about uh, rather wonkily like he's Jack Sparrow for no fucking reason. Well, yeah, why had this? Why is he walking like he's fucking on water and custard or something? <laughs> he happens upon his bike and vroom vrooms it a bit. Do you reckon he can't see through his glasses? <laughs> <laughs> Could be. He's, just, he's literally blinded by his shades, but he's he's too proud to take them off. I um I love the undisputed title. It's beautiful. It's my favorite. But mm. I do I feel like it's a step down from the Big Eagle, which is my. Favorite. I I I don't mind that. That's a that's a perfectly valid opinion. That's absolutely fine. For me, the top three are this one, the one before, it, and the one before that. Mm. and you could put those in any order in your top three, and I would not be mad at you in any way. But if you were to tell me Giant W is your favourite, then I would (laughs) have to ring up the local mental health facility and get you booked in for a chat. (laughs) I do love Giant W, but I love... I prefer the Giant W before it became the current Giant W, like when it has a champion. Yeah, do you know, honestly, maybe it's just because... You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. That one's actually kind of grown on me a little bit. I, th- I think I was maybe I still have the scratch logo. Maybe. Yes, it, yeah, yeah. The the yeah uh, the one that the Rock had, isn't it? Yes, yes. I love that one. I do. I do like the one now, especially the one Roman's got now because he's fucking changing every month. <laughs> I like the one Roman has the now. Chaos Emerald gold... spelled with all the different. Yeah. <laughs> the gold background's really nice. Yeah. Um, but they had a really good run of like like this one, the one before it. And, and the winged eagle, so nice. The, the 80s one, yeah. Beautiful. So, so nice. The WWE Slam of the Week is brought to you by Eight-Legged Freaks. And is <laughs> Jeff Hardy <laughs> getting mega-fucked by Taker, only to challenge him to a ladder match. A spider Take- leaps at the screen, and I'm at forced <laughs> to ask, why would they do this? I nearly I shit myself. Film. I remember that film being advertised so much mm. uh, as a kid. It was that I remember Jeepers Creepers being advertised like all the time. Yeah. Um, what I wish I have no that, no point to make. No, I just wanted to bring it, it, it up. was it was pretty omnipresent. What I wish they mm. had left out of the trailers was the bit where the spiders come out of the tap because that made me nervous around taps. And you have to use taps on a pretty frequent basis. So could have done without <laughs> that as a child. Thanks very much, Hollywood. Oof. Uh, right then, up next, out comes Undertaker on his bike, and we get this absolutely uh. inspired quote from Taz. But Cole, Undertaker's never been in a ladder match, and all Hardy has to do is climb the ladder and grab the gold. To which I'd say, right, yeah, but Taker can do that too. <laughs> you fucking Thanks, idiot. Taz. As if Taker's gonna look at the ladder like, what the fuck do I do? <laughs> 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 Sits on it like is this, is this right? He's like no. Like, tries to like, look in the ladder. Like, like no, mate. What is this? Like, what, oh. What's this art installation doing here in the middle of the ring? 
trying to make a lot of tap outs. Like, no, no. <laughs> Take her, get to Mike, which is always a fun time. Oh, isn't it just the best promo you've ever heard in your mm. life? Uh, he says he's out here to get a few things straight. He says he is the WWE <laughs> champion. And I've got to be honest here, I feel like the belt and introduction gave that away. Yeah. He un- he- Jesus, God. He explains how <laughs> winning belts works. Yeah. He says he injured Triple H, then says he'll get back to his point. This promo is, is shit. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, he, he was, what, what he, was, he was your point, Take? <laughs> he, he comes out and he's like, so listen here, see my name on this belt, L-U-N-D-E-R-T-A-K-E-R. It should be a the at the beginning. <laughs> That's my name. Yeah, we know, mate. Get on with it. What are you saying? And then he keeps going, July 11th. Oh, That's coming up in a couple of weeks. <laughs> All right, thanks. He, awful, he, awful promo. He asks why The Rock thinks he could get involved in his match with Triple H. And again, for those of you keeping score at home, Undertaker attacked The Rock first. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taker says he has good news and bad news He says on July 11th on Smackdown <laughs> The Rock will return But the bad news is on that same episode <laughs> He will beat The Rock down and make him pay This is the most confusing Babyface turn I have ever seen This was what confused me as well Is he a face or a heel at this point? He is very slowly turning They're, they're focusing <laughs> less on him Wanting to hurt people and beat them up And more on respect and be that respect. be that people respecting him or him respecting them which is kind of the end point of the Jeff storyline yeah but it's that, that Jeff match is great it is and I'm very excited to cover that quite soon but it makes no sense and he's also called big evil just <laughs> <laughs> like what are you doing mate big friendly um, this promo either went on longer or got re-recorded mm. because at one point he says elbow surgery and then there's a very strange camera cut where he's also in the corner turnbuckle, but his arm's in a different place. And it really bothered me. I was like, how how many times did you have to go (laughs) July 11th? (laughs) It's like, come on, mate. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Undy tells The Rock to watch Raw on Monday to see what he does to Jeff, saying that'll be a sample of what he has in store for The Rock. Kurt's music hits, and he comes to save us from this horrible fucking promo. Kurt calls Undertaker a blowhard, a blowhard, a blowhard, and all he does is talk, 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 talk. A bit like that one running gag from that one show. Undertaker says Kurt is a punk. Damn son, calm down. Fucking hell, big cunty. (laughs) Kurt says if Taker can get by Jeff, he wants to know if Taker will accept his challenge for the WWE Championship next week on SmackDown. Undertaker says why not go right now, and Kurt backs down. Noting he's already had a match, Taker points out Kurt almost lost to the rookie. Kurt tells him not to change the subject, and I thought that was pretty funny. It's funny, but like you can get there quicker, lads. Absolutely. Taker. I was fucking had a headache watching this. <laughs> Taker accepts Kurt's challenge, and with that done, Kurt says they should put all hostilities aside. He asks if he may hold the championship belt like a tiny <laughs> little baby man. Taker obliges, telling Kurt it'll be as close as he gets to holding the belt. Kurt then throws the fucking thing in Taker's face, picks his ankle, and then off he fucks. Lol. Taker's got loads of spinning plates here. He's got Triple H, The Rock, Jeff Hardy, and now Kurt Angle. He's a working, fighting champion. Mm. 
And and he's also spinning the plate of trying to turn babyface. And trying to cut a promo. <laughs> yeah, which not his strong suit oh. at any given moment, let's be honest. No. Is this setting up that amazing Taker Angle Rock Triple Threat match? Yes, the uh, Vengeance. Yes, that is the one. Oh, it is Vengeance. That match is so fucking good. Mm, excited for that one, I can tell you. Uh, what I'm not excited for is this next segment, where out comes Tori <laughs> to show off more pants. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm pretty sure she doesn't wear this one on the special either. What a liar. <laughs> <laughs> so never mind that, because up next we've got two big lads. Yes. Tess, Tess rules. Tess fucking does rule. And he's fighting Rikishi. Uh, Who looks slim as fuck. He actually does. A, a svelte Rikishi. Uh, strike exchange to start things off. Big belly to belly from the quiche to test. Massive clothesline absolutely claps Rikishi in the corner. And then test follows in with his uh, lovely back elbows. Um, we get a little reminder that test is immune from being fired. Uh, mm-hmm. As he starts picking on referee Mike Kyoda and then shoves him over uh, when he tries to get him to stop using a closed fist. Well deserved. Mike Kyoda was a prick in this match. <laughs> uh, Tess turns around into a punch from Rikishi, but ducks a thrust kick. Very cool. Oh. Follows up with a body slam to the large lad. For, uh, Have you noticed Rikishi's got a big belly scar? I see. I didn't spot that, no. It's right down his middle. I noticed it in, like, 99 when he came back. Oh. I've never noticed it before in my life, and now it's all I see when I look at Rikishi. I'm like, when the fuck? Did- that never was never there, surely. Because, like, it just wasn't there, and now it's, like, retroactively been put in. I'm just like, what? <laughs> they, they digitally added it. It's, it's, the, <laughs> yeah. it's the George Lucas cut of Rikishi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rikishi, uh, sorry, Test gets ready for a big boot. Kish ducks it and throws a thrust kick for a two. Rikishi. Oh, again, another beautiful kick. Oh, lovely, lovely kicks. We love a good kick. Rikishi then drags Test towards the corner to go for the rump shaker. Test gets his knees up at the last moment and Rikishi lands bollock first on Test's knees. <laughs> which isn't a DQ because Rikishi was technically the aggressor, which is a fun little yes. twist. Um,. Test rules uh, and follows in with a massive clothesline, sending Rikishi <laughs> spinning WWF oh. No Mercy style to pick up a two. That bump. That, I, I still don't know how Rikishi does that bump every time. No, because he's a big fucking fella. He's 300 and odd pounds, so that's impressive. So good. Test then gets cross with the ref and makes it look like he's going to punch <laughs> him. Kyoda flinches and Test yucks it up like a cartoon bully. I went because Tess looks genuinely like mad here. Mm. I wrote he looks like a hamster yawning. <laughs> uh, he goes to give Rikishi some sort of cutter, seemingly. Uh, yes. But Rikishi shoves him away into the ref, knocking him down. Tess follows this up by blatting him with a big boot. Oh. And Kyoda awards Rikishi the DQ win at 2.41. Tess then. Bollocks. It is bollocks. How dare you, Mike Kyoda? That wasn't Tess's fault. Uh, Test shoves Kyoda down again, but Rikishi squashes him in the corner and gives him a stink face. Christian hits the ring, but eats a thrust kick. Storm follows, uh, but thinks twice. The three Canadians are furious at the clearly unfair display against Test, who rules. It was! 
It actually was. It genuinely was unfair. For no reason, Kale was like, no, don't punch him, and grabbed his hand. Mm. You don't do that, referee. Yeah, that was, that's, that's actually kind of a, a fun little bit of storytelling, because usually when they do the, you know, don't use a closed fist thing, it's just the sort of kind of miming yeah. thing. But yeah, he physically grabbed Taz. Kyoto was in the wrong. So I like how they're building the un-American thing here, because it's like, well, actually, yeah, maybe they have a point. Yeah. Uh, what did we make of this very short little encounter? It was fine. Um, I like Rikishi and I like Test a lot. Yeah. Uh, the thrust kicks, especially. It's a Christian as well. Oh my god, so fucking good. <laughs> Christian's um, so good at selling like death. Oh, he really is. I love that Lance Storm like stopped himself sliding in like a cat getting caught trying to steal something. <laughs> yeah. Um, just a great way to be like, no, I'm going to stay here. Actually, like <laughs> because Rikishi's scary. I love that Test got really angry. Um, it was really good character stuff, but the match itself was just fine. Yeah, just just put two big dudes doing two big dude moves, and that's uh, yeah, that's, that's fine. Backstage once more, Hulk Hogan look. Uh, Hulk Hogan looks at a door, <laughs> and then he opens the door, and inside Vince McMahon is doing a read. Yeah. Vince wants to tell Hogan. On behalf of all Hulkamaniacs all over the world, he was personally upset over his loss to Kurt Angle at King of the Ring, noting he's never seen Hulk Hogan submit before, and he hasn't because he hadn't. Vince <laughs> lays it on thick and mocks Hogan for tapping. Uh, Vince claims he's the man who personally built Hulkamania, and he'd hate to see him tap out again, this time to the walls of Jericho. Hogan makes clear that one day... He and Vince will get it on. File that one away mm-hmm. for future reference. I was very sad that Vincent Mann had a Stacey Keebler poster in his office. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Just didn't like no. that. It's, like, it's, it, a, it's a great detail for the Vincent Mann character. It is. But I was also just like, okay. It does make <laughs> sense in as much as she is his uh, his assistant. Yeah. Um, but yes, it mm, little bit, little bit <laughs> greasy. Yeah. That isn't it. The best character in wrestling. <laughs> that, do, do you know what? That's the annoying thing. I was I was saying this to to Darby the other day. Like he is probably one of the best characters in wrestling history. But oh my god, why does he have to be played by someone who is just as bad in real life? He he has moments on TV where I just start laughing yeah. because he's so funny. He is naturally um, hilarious. At, at the point. It's like late ninety nine ish. No, before before this, like mid ninety nine ish. When Triple H is just being a dickhead to the whole man family <laughs> before the before the wedding, uh, Vince just gets on the microphone and goes, "Triple H, you son of a bitch!" <laughs> just like you don't have to be so angry. Oh, it's just he's a funny man. Yeah, he's just the worst man alive. Yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty much the dichotomy, <laughs> really, isn't it? It's really horrible. He is the funniest man in the world, and he's the worst man to ever live. (laughs) Elsewhere, the Canadians are cross at America. Test agrees that America sucks, and that Rikishi's bum smells. Unwashed bums (laughs) do not rule. No. Well, that's that segment. Hope you enjoyed. Yeah. It's time for another match, and it's Jamie Noble, boy, because it's time for Jamie Noble, accompanied by Nydia... Teaming up with Tajiri versus Billy Kidman and the Hurricane. Little cruiserweight action for you here. Um, cracking little sign in the audience here, which says Noble and Nydia represent toothless regression. <laughs> That's, That's a incest and a meth joke all in one. 
Hooray! Uh, Tajira and Hurricane starting things off. Faces and heels, uh, incidentally, on the opposite side to usual. Um, Always bothers me. It does bother me, and it kind of gives away that Nydia is going to be doing things on the hard cam. Yeah. Noble tags in. Uh, he and Hurricane exchange some cool stuff. Shining Wizard from Hurricane for two. Always oh, good to see. Such a good fucking move. Beautiful move. Hurricane always does it so well, too. Uh, Noble and Tajiri go to double team Hurricane, but he fights back with an attempt to double choke slam. Uh, the two <laughs> fight him off, but he hits them with a double bulldog. And then we get a double arm drag from the faces to Tajiri, followed by a uh, a super cool little move where Kidman arm drags Hurricane onto Tajiri. Yeah. Again, simple little moves, just nice like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, good job. I, I I like how it's one of those things where if you really slow it down and put, you know sort of think frame by frame, mm-hmm. it's like okay, well. If you arm drag me, it hurts if I land on the mat, but the arm drag mm-hmm. itself does not hurt. But if you throw me on him, it will hurt him more. So it works, yes. you know? And it, it does. It's just clever. Yeah, no one's going to get pinned on an arm drag, exactly. so it's fine. Uh, Kidman flings to Jerry across the ring and eats a springboard back elbow for his troubles. Always oh. love to see that. It's, I forgot how good that move is. I don't cause... know how he did it so well every time. I think it's, I've seen people try and do it afterwards, and it's always a bit like, oh, maybe it's just a bit slow and clunky. But it's not, it's because they're not Tajiri. Yeah. That's the only reason why. It's it, I, I feel like he must have practiced it a million times, because it's always very, it's like boom, 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 boom. It's so snappy. Mm. Tajiri's so It's wonderful. Good. He is He's so fucking incredible great. wrestler. Uh, I, I genuinely hope he ends up in the Hall of Fame one day, because he's fully deserving of it, quite frankly. Yes, he's, he's brilliant. I just think I didn't appreciate Tajiri at the time really mm. but like just seeing this match I was like I can't wait to get to Tajiri when I'm wherever you watch absolutely uh, Noble tags in eats a wild looking face buster from Kidman for a two uh, Nidia then trips Kidman and Tajiri kicks him Tajiri puts Kidman in the tarantula which is oh. now the tarantula is cool but it is illegal quite like carjacking yes. in that respect <laughs> yeah. uh, he goes for a slice bread number two, which is quite exciting as it hasn't been invented yet. But Kidman turns <laughs> it into a power bomb, so uh, fuck all of us, I guess. I love that counter. Mm, it's gorgeous, and uh, and we do love a Billy Kidman uh, power bomb counter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hurricane gets the hot tag, delivers relatively tepid offense to both heels. Noble attempts to slingshot himself over Hurricane. Hurricane uh, catches him, tosses him to the outside. <laughs> Then eats a kick from Tajiri for a two count. Hurricane backs into the corner. Kidman gets a blind tag. Hurricane gives Tajiri the choke slam. Slingshots himself to the outside at Noble, which lets Kidman mm-hmm. nail the shooting star press on Tajiri to pick up the win at four minutes thirty seconds. Yes, I I think this was much more entertaining than the previous tag match, um, purely because you've got four incredible cruiserweights going at it, mm-hmm. and they were all showing what they're best at. Yes, I completely agree. I love that Hurricane did the dive outside at the end, mm. just to be like, nah, fuck you. Um, and I know Kidman's shooting star press sometimes gets a lot of flack, because yeah. it's a bit clumsy and it was like the first one, mm. um, for especially for America. Yes. Um, but he, I thought it was a really nice shooting star, this one he did. It was very clean. Yeah, it's always nice when he doesn't land knee first on someone's temple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's always well, a little horrible. bonus. Um, yeah. Backstage, 
Tori and Stacy wear a dressing gown. Oh God! That, that's, we didn't need so many segments of that, this. That, that's a dressing gown each. Obviously, not the, not the same dressing gown. That would that would be very silly. <laughs> yeah. uh, they both decide. Like pinky and the brain in a big suit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need that. Someone, please Photoshop that. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Tori Wilson's tiny head on the massive body. <laughs> Uh, the two of them decide to go out to the ring and let the fans decide who looks better between them. And Michael Cole then squeaks, are they both coming out here? In the squeakiest yeah. teenager voice ever. That, that's what I wrote. I'm seeing double eight breasts. <laughs> Tori hits the stage in her undies. And this is definitely not what she wore on uh, the Divas Undressed show in the... Why is she such a liar? I know, and the thing is, what she... Because they, they suppose... They say that they're going to wear what they, they're going to wear for their uh, fantasy free-for-all uh, outfit. Mm. And Firstly, I... spoilers. I, yeah, <laughs> but also, um, I would have much rather Tori had worn this one because what she wore was very, very not okay. Oh, no. um, bearing in mind this was on a show where um, some casual racism was done so it was oh, worse no. than the casual racism you've oh, got that God. to look forward to next episode but never mind Can't that because here comes <laughs> Stacy in a schoolgirl uniform this is fucked oh, do not do this on TV I hate this I'm not comfortable at all with this I'm sorry I don't know I don't know who this is meant to be titillating for I don't like it Vince y- yeah Vince <laughs> just for, it's just for Vince but never mind, because here comes Dawn Marie, who has theme music. I've seen triple, 12 breaths. <laughs> Dawn has theme music for some reason, because she's supposed mm. to be Vince's legal assistant, but apparently she's just a wrestler now, they've just given up on that. <laughs> Fine. She is wearing some shiny things. Um, mm. She yells at the girls and seemingly loses her voice in the process, then shoves Stacy and Tori into one another. And for some reason, they fight each other. Uh, great. Yeah. It was a good slap. Hmm. Well, there we go. <laughs> that was <laughs> yeah, that. That's Glad that's over and done with. Is is this post Al Wilson? Oh God, no! Oh no, my friend. Oh, you you thought you were lucky. Uh, and because I, I I remember I've what what show is the Al Wilson match on? Uh, the blow off match to that was Royal Rumble two thousand three. Okay, that's why I've seen it then. Which, okay, I've, de- I've definitely seen all the Rumbles. Royal Rumble 2003 is uh, what I like to call a Dickensian show, because it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. You have yeah. one of the best matches in <laughs> wrestling history on that show, and two of the worst. Wonderful! Yeah, I um, I remember we, we got that off a, a taped version of that from my brother's friend, so I was like, here's some wrestlers, ooh, good stuff. And then when that came on, and I was just like... <laughs> Oh, wrestling's different. <laughs> I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure I like wrestling anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so good. <laughs> Backstage once more. Mark Lloyd oh. asks Jericho for his thoughts on Hulk Hogan. Uh, Mark Jericho, who looks a lot like Alvinus. Yeah, it must be the Canadian blood coursing through his veins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark is doing his damnedest to worsen his posture so Jericho doesn't look tiny, and he is failing in that regard because Jericho does look tiny next to him. But Jericho also looks big physically. He does. He's definitely he's definitely been doing more than working out. Uh, yes, uh, for legal reasons. Uh, we must say we 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 assume he's been working out twice a day. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Do not sue us, Chris yeah. Jericho. Uh, Jericho yeah. shows the footage of him exacerbating Edge's injury three weeks ago. Jericho ponders how he will defeat Hulk Hogan, and literally nobody in attendance can possibly believe that Jericho is winning this match. I'm sorry, they just this, can't. This is the second injury angle we have on this show, which is exactly <laughs> the same as Undertaker's and Triple H's. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the elevated liver <laughs> enzymes of shoulder injuries. Yeah. I, I I again thought this was one of Edge's big injuries. I don't think it is. He's out for a little while with this, um, okay. but I think it, it his his neck surgery is uh, still to come down the line, if I remember right. I don't... For listeners, Edge is my favorite wrestler ever, and every time I see him injured, I get sad. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay because he had the comeback of the century, and then had the worst shittest I... match with Randy Orton ever. Don't remind me. Because <laughs> it was so long. Why was it so it was, long? They, I, I can see what they were going for. It just did not work. What they were going and for. It's very, very sad. What they were going for was uh, SmackDown versus Raw backstage brawl. Let's interact with every item. That will be good, won't yeah. it? It wasn't, though, was it? It, <laughs> it wasn't, lads. I'm sorry. But that Rumble comeback might be the best yes. wrestling moment ever for me. I, I think wrestling has peaked for me and just from that moment. Oh. I was like, well, fine. <laughs> I will say, though, the Edge and Orton rematch was very, very good. I love the Backlash match mm. so much. So they turned it around. Despite Edge then getting injured during a reshoot. <laughs> fucking, why not, lads? <laughs> fucking cursed. But then, but then you and I had a shared experience in Cardiff last year as we we had an oh. out of body experience as everyone in Wales started singing his theme song. Again, for the audience who doesn't know, I had never seen Edge wrestle before. Oh, wow. When I was going to go see him wrestle, the week before I the week after I bought my ticket, he retired. Oh no! <laughs> so I was gutted. I saw the SmackDown show he said goodbye at, which was very, very emotional. I was there at that one too. Oh, lovely. Oh, it's, it's assuming you mean the, the UK one, that is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, he, he did a nice promo afterwards and swore and said sorry to the kids for swearing. It was very funny. <laughs> um, and then I was like, well, I'm never going to see Edge ever again. Fine. And then he came back at the Rumble and they're like, oh, we're doing a card of pay-per-view. And I was like, well, I'm fucking going. Yeah. So I finally got to see Edge wrestle live and it was wonderful. I, I, I have no shame in admitting I had tears in my eyes during that. I cry like a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Coming soon, small WCW man. Oh my God, this gave me a fucking headache, this promo. It's difficult to focus, isn't it? It, If you have epilepsy, you you can't watch this promo, genuinely. It's It's really horrible. This is why the scary Sky Sports voiceover man always started the broadcast saying, the following programming may contain... Strobe lighting effects. It fucking does, doesn't it, doesn't it lads? It, though. Why are you what are you doing, Rey Mysterio? You cunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it really made me feel I'm I one of my brothers has epilepsy, and this made me feel sick watching on, it. on like, his Jesus behalf. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> We're just like fucking hell, Ray. Was, it was a bad promo. Mm. Like good in a way that was like Rey Mysterio is coming. That's all you need. Yes. But it gave me a headache. It's it's surreal. Lots of lots of whooshing about and spinning around and yeah, if, if you're going to watch along and you are photosensitive, skip ahead a minute after the Joker promo, because it is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> uh, oh, testify. It's Reverend Devon and Deacon Batista. Oh, yes! Yes! Now, One of my favourite gimmicks. Now, how fun is this? 
that Batista makes his in-ring his official in-ring debut on the same episode that John Cena does. How fun is that? What a great coincidence. It's I love wonderful. I love wrestling coincidences especially are the best fucking thing in the world. Because suffice to say, ladies and gentlemen, both of them go on to be two of the biggest stars of this era and I dare say two of the biggest superstars in company history. Mm-hmm. And some of Hollywood's biggest action stars too. That's true. Yeah, get a little uh, little rebirth. And of course, uh, as unveiled recently, John Cena will be appearing in Mortal Kombat. So I'm very happy I'm with that. Sorry, did you not know this? No, I missed this. Uh, in the new Mortal Kombat game, John Cena is going to be in it. That's amazing. It's, as John Cena, uh, as Peacemaker, but it's John Cena's face. Oh, that's absolutely fine. Same. Thing. I assume they're going to get him to do the voiceover because, like, why that's wouldn't they? So fucking. Good. I'm very. Wasn't happy. Ronda Rousey in Street Fighter? Uh, she was in Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, okay. She did the voice of Sonya. Um, oh, okay. And then they did a DLC pack where you. I bet her promos were shit. Yes, they were very, very bad, which is a shame because uh, Mortal Kombat X Sonya had a really good voice and then they changed her and made her bad. Um, but they did a DLC pack where you could play as the cast of the first Mortal Kombat film and they had their own faces and they did their own voices. So I never played as Ronda Rousey Sonya ever again. <laughs> That's really fun. Yeah, there's a bit in the game where it's supposed to be really quite emotional and, you know, it's supposed to make you sad. And mm-hmm. instead, you just have Ronda Rousey making the noise of an angry, dying pterodactyl, and it just kind of <laughs> ruins it. <laughs> yes, it's Tag Team Action Lads. Uh, three tag matches on one SmackDown. What the fuck are you doing to me? I know. Uh, we have Reverend Yvonne and Batista teaming up against Farouk and Randy Orton. Very odd team. What? (laughs) Very, very odd. But I will say, very cute that we have Batista and Orton across the ring from one another. Little baby Orton. Yeah. Uh, Because again... I I, I remember those trunks on a video game Orton so poorly. Because he was a... For some reason, he was just a cunt in that game. Rookie Orton, as as we uh, would come to know him. Back when he did the shittest move of all time, the overdrive. (laughs) <laughs> that is the correct response. Oh, I hate that move. It never looks it's good. It's awful. Stop giving it to people. You it also doesn't make wait. any sense. No, it's so dumb. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spin you around, then I'm going to fall over. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Just consider Shit, not that... doing that instead. I'm gonna, I'm gonna spin you with my leg. So what are you doing? <laughs> Just. Do, do, do a famous lad. <laughs> exactly. Just Just do that. Simply do. A, if everyone did a famous, it would be all right. Awful. Dreadful. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, Orton starts things off with Devon, gives him a lovely little uh, arm drag, as Cole tells us that we'll be able to find out how, how to order a free WWE Shop Zone catalogue. Now, uh, for context mm-hmm. here, in 2002 Britain, to receive a free WWE Euro Shop catalogue, we simply had to say the word wrestling or look in the general direction of some baby oil for Vince McMahon to personally press a catalogue into our open palms. You could not move for fucking Euro Shop catalogues in this time. They were in every wrestling magazine, even the ones WWE didn't own. Brilliant. Uh, I never had one. Oh, I I kind of miss them to be honest. Yeah, it's a good idea. It's a it's a great fucking idea. Um, I mean, I suppose we're all online now, so obviously you don't need to advertise the online shop because people are just going to assume, oh, it's online anyway. But the online is sometimes a faff to get through every page, and you close something down. I just I like the specific you look through a book and be like that one. 
Yeah. It's nice. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, we have the great British tradition of the Argos catalogue. And when Argos went all digital, something was lost from this world, I must tell you. It was a sad day indeed when you have to go into the shop and you manually type what you're looking for and there's oh it's oh it's eerie. Argos is an eerie place now. It's empty, it's soulless, it's a table of a table of tablet computers and no catalogues and no shelves and everything's in the warehouse. You're standing in a you're standing in a waiting room with tablets, basically. I don't like it. Why would you do this? I just want a pallet of Argos catalogues in my life. Is that so much to ask? Anyway, Randy Orton uh, <laughs> does a side slam on Devon and gets a two. Uh, mm. Devon then does a drop kick and asks, "Who's the Ooh. man? Uh, I don't know. God." Yeah, I don't remember much of Reverend Evil. Mm. We, I definitely saw a couple of bits here and there from yeah. the videotapes we got. I fucking love this game. It's so it's good. so so stupid, isn't it? Though it's wonderful but in, the, in the best way. And I don't think they go very blasphemous with it. It's not like Vincent Mann saying "God strike me down" like he did in the church. Mm. It, and I think Devon is religious? Question mark. His father was a priest. Oh, there we go. Um, so he, he, you know, he kind of uh, sort of knew how to do a reverend character. Supposedly mm. they had uh, Bruce Pritchard sort of advise him how to do the cadence of uh, Brother Love, uh, which okay. is kind of, which is why he's sort of delivering it in the, the very over-the-top kind of voice. Mm-hmm. I will say that I, as what little I did see of Reverend Evil, I never saw Deacon Batista. No, this is very short-lived. Mm. Uh, Batista, Batista's on Raw not too long after this. Uh, spoilers, ah, okay, but yeah, this this is Fine. quite short lived. That makes sense, good mm. because it doesn't fit him at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Corks for uppercut from Devon, and then he works over Orton in the corner. Goes for a superplex. Orton pushes him down and delivers a leaping bulldog. Quite nice. Oof. Farouk comes in and throws Devon around like he's a tiny wee baby child. Uh, <laughs> Farouk goes for the Dominator. Devon says, absolutely not, and slides out of it to hit a DDT. Nobody is taking the Dominator off of Farouk. That move will literally kill you. Yes. Uh, Devon body slams Farouk, goes for a diving headbutt, but misses because his brother's not there to hold his little legs, of course. <laughs> uh, in comes Orton with a gorgeous crossbody for a two. Oh, that's so weird seeing Orton do the crossbody. Isn't it? Though? So, so good, though. It's yeah. like a frog splash crossbody. Uh, then uh, a drop kick from Orton gets another two. Batista makes the blind tag, but Orton oh catches him, dumps him on the ropes, and then clotheslines him. In response, Batista commits double <laughs> homicide, beating. It's so good. <laughs> he beats the skeleton out of both of his opponents. Oh. Uh, and then the first ever Batista spinebuster picks up the win Beautiful. for the Righteous Men at three minutes twenty. So good. I thought this was pretty standard until Batista decided to break the life out of his opponents. It's the best way to introduce a new character. Yes. Like, we have, we're having a normal tag match. This is fine. Here comes Batista. Everyone's dead. Okay, <laughs> yeah. right, carry on. I, I'm like, into it. His first move was that evil clothesline. Mm. And it's just like, the crowd went, oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, fuck. And Alton, who's still quite quite green at this point, sold it like he died. Yes. Um which is great. Orton is like it's naturally very good. Mm, um, I think so. And I always like, I always love Spinebusters, but Batista Spinebuster, when he pops up immediately, is such a domineering, like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> There's absolutely no wonder that, that sort of like 
the signature that leads to his finisher later on because yeah. it's so fucking good. The way he just pops back up, it's, it just feels very much like I am in charge and I'm destroying you, as he should do because he's fucking Batista. Yeah. Look at this man. Um, I just love it. I love it so much. I love Batista. I think he gets boring as champion very quickly mm. and then he gets better again. But I fucking love Batista. I, I would agree. I think Batista's one of those guys, I think the chase benefits him more than holding the title. Yes. But if you put um, him against the right injuries... opponent where he can just have a fucking fight, oh, he's good. Injuries didn't help either. It was no. really. It was always like him and Edge trading belts and injuries. It was really <laughs> yeah. unfortunate for a really long time. It was so upsetting. So Cole and Taz now tell us how to get the catalogue. America, you had to write in to get this. They were stapling this to our foreheads over here. It feels like such an American thing to do for some reason. You have to write in to get a thing. It's like, okay. Also, I'm sorry. It's not a free catalogue if you have to write it. You've got the cost of the envelope. You've got the cost of a stamp. You have the cost of a fraction of a pen to write on the envelope. Yes, I am tight. (laughs) Idiots. Uh, The Rock do be returning, though. When just July 11th, that's how it's going to take They didn't mention it very often. So, you know, if you missed it, I wouldn't have blamed you. Um, mm. Now, we have made the main event. Uh, two immediate things I notice here. Ooh. Our main event, ladies and gentlemen, is, of course, Hollywood Hulk Hogan versus Chris Jericho. Now, mm-hmm. um, Taz and Cole are silent during Hulk Hogan's entrance. Why could that be? Now, I can only <laughs> surmise that they fucked up the theme redub on the network so badly that the commentary was unsalvageable. I forgot that he was using Voodoo Child, first Mm. of all. I also forgot they replaced Voodoo Child on the network, and I didn't know how bad the replacement was. It's Oh, it's so bad. It's. I'll be honest, I, I wish they'd just replaced it with Real American. Honestly, I'm gonna. I'm, I've got my automaton here. I'm gonna try and play. Oh no! Oh no! Here we try go. And play Vida Child. With no practice. <laughs> uh, this is as as good as Hogan's theme sounds. <laughs> That's as good as it sounded. <laughs> Excellent. Well, okay. I mean, I you know, we all pay a tenner a month for the network, and to be honest, <laughs> I think I would rather have the Automatone than... Would you? <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I'd rather have that than what they use on the network. Ugh, um, just, it's really, just, really bad. Just pay the Jimi Hendrix estate, lads. Come on. It also, because, like, again, I don't like Hogan. No. I think he's a cunt. Yes. Uh, but undeniably, especially at 2002, was a big fucking deal. Mm. And because they have to mute everything around the music, the crowd just go like, yay. <laughs> it's just weird. But you can see, you can see them going mental. Mm. Um, and it's just like, yeah, it's, there he is. <laughs> it's like, no. It's Terry. It, it, lo- it loses. It's <laughs> <laughs> Terry Taylor, not him. Uh, it, yeah, it just loses something because you just get in this tepid fucking response. Mm. Um, and it's a shame because... I think this look of Hogan with the short black beard, but the um, fucking bleach blonde handlebar mustache is his best look. Um, I, I love the beard mustache contrast. Yeah. I think it's so fucking cool. Um, but then he takes off his glasses and he takes off his hat and he looks like an old man. Yeah. Just leave the hat on, mate. Just leave ruined, the bandana on. Ruined immediately. 
Uh, and um, also, tan your head. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need to, brother, as long as I've got the bandana on, dude. It, it doesn't tan his head, and it just looks weird, because he's got the really, like, Californian tan on, and then just a fucking pink head. Just a massive egg on his head. It's like a, he's so wrinkly on top when he gets when he gets sweaty, which he does immediately. It's like a brain. Oh no. It's, it's and it's like a hairy brain on top of this oh. weird man's head. I was like you he goes from looking so fucking like cool and like cool in a sense of like he's a cool man. Yeah. Um to oh no, he's old, someone get his medication so quickly. <laughs> it's it's like oh and because the music's wrong, and be- when he starts wrestling, it gets even worse because you kind of go like, "Oh, he's really bad at wrestling." Mm. It's just I, I go from go like, "Oh, I, I can see why Hogan goes nope," <laughs> just the horrible. No, the second note I have for this match is written in all capitals. Oh God, there are eleven minutes left. <laughs> This match felt long. It did. Uh, Hogan's matches for the whole entirety of this podcast timeline have been epics. How does he look older here than when he did when he fought HBK? Is it because of the black beard? Maybe. Maybe, maybe. maybe. Because, because I like the look. When he starts wrestling, he just like... <coughs> it's just like, <laughs> God, mate. That match at HBK, which went much longer, had blood and was ridiculous. He looks so much younger in it. Maybe he's in more shape then as well, but like, I don't know. Something just looked off of this. He, with him. He'd had a couple of years tanning on uh, down on Venice Beach, dude, brother Jack. <laughs> Eating his pasta mania. Yeah, Jesus God. So Jericho... Watch your spaghetti policy, brother. <laughs> Jericho ambushes Hogan to start the match. Uh, Hogan's bandana comes off, and Jericho definitely, oh. definitely, definitely did that on purpose. I gotta say, fair play to Jericho. He is bringing a little bit of energy to this one, and... He's trying his best. Yeah. I mean, Mick Foley recently said on his podcast, there are two people um, in this world, uh, in, you know, in, in the wrestling world, people who think it's a big deal to be in the ring with Hulk Hogan and people who are mm-hmm. wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah. regardless of what you think of the man, and I, I agree with you, he's a knob, it is a big mm-hmm. deal to be in the ring with him. So Jericho's making it's the most. still of Hulk Hogan. Exactly. I saw Hogan. I saw Hogan live mm. during a TNA taping. Oh. Um, and this was at my point of not knowing the full Hogan story, not everything, not everything had come out yet. No. But I was a bit, I was a bit like, he's too old to be in the ring. Mm. Get rid of him. It was still very fucking cool to see him live, and he like yeah the energy he had was undeniable, and I was like I felt it in my chest of like this is fucking Hulk Hogan yeah, um, but <laughs> he it was it, it was a two week taping oh god uh, and he, he came out about eight times oh and no every single time ripped his shirt off <laughs> by by the end of it people were just laughing at him the costume department was, like for fuck's sake Hulk. <laughs> Oh, yeah, people were laughing, and I was just like, "Oh, mate, what are you doing?" And in the actual um, uh, taping of it, they definitely edited out the laughing because people were just shitting themselves, laughing at him. They taking a shot for the it, eighth time. They replaced it with an tone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I can't stand Hulk Hogan either, but I'd like to be able to see him live just to say I saw Hulk Hogan live. It was a strange experience. Yeah, I was just like, "There's Hulk Hogan. That's fucking just weird." Like, I would like never- to see him in a setting similar to when he was co-host of WrestleMania and everyone booed him because he's a massive oh, racist. That was delightful. So nice. 
Yeah, I, I, I think I got the last of the Hogan love mm. before everything came out. Thankfully, it did because fuck that. <laughs> oh yeah, screw that absolute wank. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> God, I mean, this matches shit. So yeah, <laughs> it's not great. The crowd are really into Hogan, which is. Do you know what I will say? Actually, I, I don't want to defend Hogan too much. Mm. He does sell Jericho's offense. Yeah. Which I was surprised about because it is Jericho, and you know, even ten years or five years before this, he would have been looked at as the small guy. Fuck you, brother, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Possibly, uh, um, uh, well, quite right, even by Hogan himself, I imagine. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, I, I, this is one of my favorite things about this run with Hogan. Vince isn't taking any of his shit. Mm-hmm. He's going out there. He is being told to say on promo that he is bald. He is going out there. Making little people look impressive. He is going to lose by submission. Vince is bitching him out, and it's wonderful. And it's making him more compelling. I felt bad for Hogan watching this. Not because like I want him to win, just cheer Hogan. He just looked like a sad old man. Mm. And I was just like, oh, May, what are you doing to yourself? I d- just retire. I, I do feel like the wheels on the, the Hulkamania bus are, are coming off at this point. Honestly. Yeah, I, I do I do think when he takes time off and comes back to fight Orton and HBK, he's much fitter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, he's moving he, he, better. Yeah, he just looked like... He looked like Ric Flair does now, basically. Mm. Um, slow and plodding and just like, oh, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> I remember when you were good fifty years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a strange match this one, um, mm. and then because Jericho looks so um, <clears throat> in shape, mm. um, it makes Hogan look smaller because Jericho is like the same size as him, which he just isn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's just like I, I always feel uncomfortable when someone has very clearly been working out loads and loads and loads <laughs> in inverted commas mm. because it's just like what you're doing to yourself. You're gonna hurt yourself. This current Jericho character, I just don't find very entertaining. Mm. He's a heel, but he's not doing anything that was fun. Like Jericho, before. he's just been like, yeah, I'm a heel, I'm great, king of the, king of the world. What does that mean? Well, you know, I'm really good. <laughs> like, there's, no, there's nothing like it's making him stand out. And it's, it's Chris Jericho. He always stands out. And I just think he's kind of spinning his wheels here. He's just a Already bloke, quite man. early. Yeah. In his, yeah. Um, which is a shame because I, I do end up loving Jericho again. Like his fucking, his first return was excellent. Yes. Um, but here it's just like, already it feels like he's spinning his wheels yeah. before he retires for the first time. <laughs> the first of many. Yeah. Uh, we get a mounted 10 punch spot from Hogan in the corner, uh, but he stops at eight to tell the ref off for admonishing him for using a closed fist. Now, Hogan, you cannot side with Test and expect me to start liking you. His big boot will forever be better than yours. Test rules, fuck you. In the back, Test is fucking throwing his TV around. Oh, I see. It's good enough for the real Americans, but the real Canadians, oh no. <sighs> uh, at any rate, Jericho punches Hogan in the balls. Good. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> Jericho gives Hogan a back suplex, goes for the cocky pin, and gets a two, uh, which Oof. is surprisingly giving from Hogan for the literal joke pin. Uh, yeah. Jericho chokes Hogan's sternum on the ropes, question mark? I don't mind the idea of this, because you're like... When you get punched in the stomach, it wins you. Mm. But, 
Yeah, it's odd. <laughs> Very strange. Uh, the crowd noise is uh, actually so loudly piped in at this point that Cole and Taz are inaudible, so they've mm. really fucked the edit on this one. Yeah, we- weirdly, because, you know, SmackDown has piped in crowd sounds, particularly this era. Oh, gotcha. I, it's it's not something I've ever noticed. Mm. Um, I, I, I always notice when the crowd is dead... Mm. Uh, or when they're shit. <laughs> oh god, yeah. Corpus Christi, never, Texas, looking at you. Yeah, but never when they're when they're good or piped in. No. I just don't notice that. It, to me, that's just like how it's supposed to be. My my, my brain tunes that out. But here, it was just like, oh, editing. Because mm. I I did television production. I edit podcasts. My brain was, like, oh, editing. Here we go. I can hear this <laughs> little flag popped up. Big DDT from Jericho gets a two, and it's then that I realise one of the ringside cameras is oddly low quality. We get this strangely grainy oh, footage. I miss that. Uh, Jericho then locks in an approximation of an abdominal stretch on a man who is almost <laughs> entirely inflexible. Yeah. Um, that said, I did actually appreciate Cole and Taz explaining how an abdominal stretch works. Because they note I... it stretches your abdomen, it pulls at your ribcage, it makes it difficult so... to breathe. It's not hard, is it, lad? Just do more of that, it's good. Taz is so good at doing this, and yeah. he does it occasionally in AW too. But I wish he spent less time in AW farting around and doing more of this because it's such better commentary than that was funny. It's like, no, here's interesting. I'm learning stuff. Um, I miss, I missed I miss good Taz on commentary. <laughs> I I will always love Taz on commentary, but I digress. Yeah, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> uh, Jericho pulls on the ropes while he's got the hold locked in, and then we have this wonderful fucking exchange from Cole and Taz. Cole, mm. unfair advantage from for Chris Jericho. Taz, some would say unfair, some would say using the ring to his advantage. Cole, some would say simply cheating. Taz, yeah, well, you're right, he is cheating. <laughs> <laughs> fucking brilliant. Wonderful. Love these two so much. <laughs> Me too. Hogan begins to hulk up and tosses Jericho off of him. Uh, I had to add that extra little bit at the end of that sentence, so it didn't sound weird <laughs> to our British listeners. Jericho charges Hogan in the corner, ends up running into the ring post, though. Hogan hulks up and goes for a big boot, but because he does not rule, Jericho slides under it, goes for the walls, but Hogan flips Jericho away. Uh, Jericho, uh, sorry, Hogan throws Jericho at the ropes. Oh, look a penny. Jericho kicks Hogan, hits a bulldog, followed by a lion salt for a two count... Uh, Hogan begins full Hulk up mode. Um, you punch, punch, punch. Irish whip. Really shitty looking big boot. Jericho refuses to sell it because why would you ever? Goes to get a chair. Hogan attempts to kick it into Jericho's face. Jericho says nah mate. Just hits Hogan in the face with it for the DQ at 6.31. Lol. Good. Yeah. So there's a little bit of post-match stuff here, but what did you think of this match? Generally, this was a long six thirty one. I thought. Yeah, honestly, I expected more from Jericho. Anyway, I'd also expected more from Hogan because um, I hadn't really seen this era of Hogan mm. at all. A couple of matches here and there. Um, I saw both his matches of The Rock, and obviously one of them is especially good. Yes, um, the first one's it, it's amazing. It's an experience. Yeah, the other one is there. Um, <laughs> I've seen him versus Vincent Mann, which is a great fun bloody fight for no reason. Yeah, and I've seen him with HBK and him with Randy Orton, which again are quite good slash fine slash insane. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I expected better. Yes, and I very quickly realised, oh no, this is just Hulk Hogan. 
Mm. Um, my note here was, God, Hogan is awful. This is Hulk Hogan televised um, match, not Hulk Hogan pay-per-view match with yeah, more money. Exactly, and it's it's a, it's a bit of a shame, but it's also Hulk Hogan, what should I have expected? Yeah, um, fair. But, like, it's it's... I'm glad he got more in shape for his later matches because they really pay off when he's mo- able to move better. Mm. Um, I just don't see why this match happened. Like I, at the beginning, I was like, "Wow, what a big match! How great!" But then it happened, and I was just like, "Oh, this should not have been here." <laughs> no. Um, I like that Jericho was like, "You know what? Fuck it! I'm gonna hit you with a chair." And I liked that Hogan like dodged the chair at first, and Jericho was like, "No, I'm gonna smack you again! <laughs> Fuck you!" <laughs> It's um, great. Jericho as a heel, one of the best at this time, yeah. at least. I um, I, I wanted more for Jericho in, as mm. character wise in general, but I'm I'm glad he didn't get pinned by Hogan. That was nice, at least. Yes. I guess question mark. <laughs> uh, Jericho gets the steel steps in position to try and do to Hogan what he did to Edge. He hits the Hulkster in the back with a chair and declares Hogan is finished. Jericho goes to hit Hogan's arm, but is interrupted by the music of. Chris Jericho? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Cole goes, what's this about? Mate, keep up, mate. Come on. <laughs> Jericho's entrance video on Pyro goes off. Uh, so mm. no, it, this was intentional. It, it was just very confusing. Uh, but standing atop the ramp is not Chris Jericho. It's Edge. Uh, Jericho. <laughs> we see Edge's back and his tights. Yeah. And Cole goes, who's that? <laughs> mate, Fucking come on. Idiot. Oh. Jericho looks like he might cry, which is lovely. Fun little detail. So uh, Edge races towards the ring. Jericho finds himself trapped between Hogan with a chair and Edge. Uh, Edge then gets a measure of revenge on Jericho with a little assistance from the Hulkster. Edge nails Jericho with his uh, signature spinning wheel kick, only for Hogan oh, to toss Jericho into the firing line of a spear from Edge. Looks great. And of course, because Edge has got this little measure of revenge and Edge was the one who nailed the spear. Hulk Hogan's music plays. Fuck you. Yep. Again, because there's this shit theme, this this moment loses all its impact. I've seen this moment in its original format mm. and it's so much better because the crowd are going crazy. Edge was a big Hulk Hogan fan. He yes. became a, a wrestler because of Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania, whatever it was, seven, I think. Yeah. Um. And you can see Edge has got the biggest fucking grin on his face He's the so whole time. Happy. He's having a great time. Great moment of Edge, ruined by the shit dubbed music. Yep. And it's such a shame. Deafeningly loud, completely fucked redub. You Cole and Taz are silent, and there is no way they would be at this point because this is a big moment. Mm. Um, it's such a shame this is spoiled. If you can in any way track down footage of the original, do go watch it because it's so cool. It's on YouTube. That's what I Googled it. I just literally Googled uh, Edge and Hogan. It was like, there so it's like great yeah <laughs> there's um obviously i can't sort of give away the links on here because it's uh it's a bit naughty but there there does exist a recut of uh network quality visuals with correct audio mm. so if you if you go you know if you know where to look um, it's the same place where joker goes to work out so <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh hogan and edge yeah. pose with the fans uh, with Hogan's classic poses as SmackDown comes to an end. Yeah, what a nice moment for Edge, I wrote in my final note. It is a nice moment for Edge. And, and as you say, you know, Hogan was the guy that, he you know, he was in attendance at WrestleMania and he was like, God, I want to be I want to be this guy. I want to be a wrestler. And yeah. now he is here in a storyline with Hogan. And 
this storyline is not uh, just going to be a one and done, ladies and gents. This does lead somewhere. So, yes. very happy for Edge. Me too. What Fuck a good Hogan. lad. Fuck Hulk Hogan. <laughs> uh, in, in loving memory of the recently departed High and Chic, fuck the Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah. Before we do sort of general thoughts on the show, let's do highs and lows. What were your high points and low points of this one? High points were Batista. Mm. I just I just forgot how much I liked him. Mm. And then he did that clothesline and I was like, wow, he was always th- that good. Yeah. I'd just be like explosive, bad, scary man, great, love that. Um honestly just a lot of the moves made me pop more than the matches themselves. Lots of really good, clean, um, but also um dangerous looking super kicks and thrust kicks and like good looking kicks were nice. Um Kangle being Kangle was lovely to see. Yes. Mark Hen- Mark Henry just fucking throwing Lance Storm around was excellent. I love that. <laughs> um I just strong Mark Henry is better than big Mark Henry. Um <laughs> Oh and Edge returning was nice. I like yeah. time to see Edge, lovely stuff like that. Uh low lights, that Undertaker promo really killed the show for me, I think. It wasn't good, was it? If, if that promo wasn't there, the show I would have been a lot happy about the show in general i think mm. um but it just fucking he's not a good talker no. he's not always a bad talker but he, this is a bad promo it was rancid for me yeah. my the highs i've got written down cena debut was great and i've also written batista <laughs> because he was fucking <laughs> oh, amazing he was only in that so match for about 20 good. seconds and they were some of the best 20 seconds that's of the all night. you needed yeah I love that. I love that we've got two very strong um, debuts, yeah. very different ways. Oh, gotcha. Cena, Cena had the wrestling match. Batista killed two people. It was <laughs> like, fine. beautiful. And, and he, lovely ki- he killed not only Orton, the rookie, he killed Farouk, who's a big bastard. Yeah. There was this convincing murder that he done. If you want an idea of how Jericho looked in this show, he looked as big as Farouk did, which is not natural for Jericho. Mm. <laughs> not even a little bit. No, but um, he, yeah, like a, like a stuffed sausage. <laughs> uh, the low for me, I I didn't enjoy the tag title match. I've got to be honest, and I do like Billy and Chuck, as you as you know. But oh yeah, that was okay. I wasn't too I, fond on that one. I thought it was pretty weak. Uh, I I'll be honest. On the whole, Cena and Batista aside, I felt this was like a kind of lackluster one. Like there wasn't there wasn't anything that was like incredibly terrible, mm-hmm. but. A lot of it was just there. Like we've got meandering shit with Tori. We've got a very, about to- very oh, yeah. bad Undertaker <laughs> promo. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it it is one of those where I I would still say that on the strength of Cena and Batista, this is still worth a watch. It's fine. Yeah. My, my like overall thoughty stuff was like decent wrestling yeah. and a nice build for what will become the Un-Americans. Mm, yes. um, a fun debut for Cena and Batista. Have got to look strong in different ways and an edge return. But there was a lot of filler. So Taker's, many backstage segments. Taker's promo was long and shit. <laughs> Vince seg- <laughs> Vince in particular, his segment did nothing. Mm. Like could have not been there. Yeah. Give more time to anything apart from the main event, please. Tori and Stacey segment could have been one, not three. It could have been um, none, not three, quite frankly. That would have been better. If you if you had to have had it, just do the end one. Yes. With Dawn Marie, fine. Yeah. You didn't need three of them. And Michael Cole looks weird in a t-shirt. <laughs> so, 
which makes this show minus a million for Michael Cole's shirt. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Cole. You've ruined everything. But, uh, Eddie, that was June 27, 2002 Smackdown. I, I, I think that was... No July early. 11th. I'll tell you that. It was not. <laughs> no, July 11th. Don't forget the date, everyone. What happens on July 11th, Eddie? Uh, the Rock comes back, doesn't he? So, and Tegg is going to whip his ass, boy. Are you sure? They never mentioned that. I didn't at all, cunts. So. <laughs> <laughs> They really should have done. Yeah, should have yeah, should have dropped it in once or twice. You'd think something important <laughs> like that. They'd have, they'd have drawn attention to it in a really oh, meandering geez. wank promo. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! But that's going to do it for SmackDown, and I think that's going to just about do it for our podcast today. So, Eddie, thank you so much for coming on. It's been absolutely bloody lovely having you, man. I had a lovely time, and I had a lovely time with you, as I always do. You are a top dude. So why don't you let our lovely listeners know where they can listen to you lovelily on the internet where they can find you what podcasts that you host that are good and great and people should listen to i'm not being subtle about it because it's good so you can find me as the dm of budgeons and dragons Yay. a unfair actual play comedy D light podcast with the goal every episode is to buy mother a scratch card from budgeons bring it home and give it to her but the, my role in the game is to kill everyone as quickly as possible so they can't complete the task. Uh, it's incredibly stupid. It's incredibly funny. Me and my brother Alex edit it with actual editing, cutting out shit so it doesn't need to be there, putting in sound effects and music. Um, it's not like D&D in the sense that there's no modifiers. There's barely any maths because fuck numbers. You can play as anybody you want to be, including someone who has played as The Undertaker. Yes. <laughs> they, they, did, they did very well with the Undertaker they, they did well. <laughs> annoyingly well as the Undertaker also um, it's just a very very silly show and we've had people we've had LT on yeah. we've had people from the Attitude Era podcast on from How To Wrestling lots of wrestling jokes contained within this show as well yes. because we're all big nerdy wrestling fans absolutely so please give us a listen thanks it's great I I, we, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll obviously have heard we have used the Budgeons and Dragons trailer here before to advertise the show because it's really fucking good and you ought to listen to it, guys. It's honestly one of my favorite podcasts. It's one of the podcasts that makes me laugh harder than almost anything else. At one point while listening to one episode, I was out driving for my job and I had to pull over because I was laughing so hard. So, oh, thank you. It's, you know what? It's I'm good. I'm gonna I'm gonna brag for a hot second oh. because I I love this podcast very much. <laughs> um, I was at a comedy gig recently, just watching, and I was there the week before for a different gig, and someone I was talking to was like, oh, you, I heard you do a podcast, what it's about. It's Butters and Dragons, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I might listen to it. I hear I might listen to it so many times, I just sure. tune it out. Like, great, fine. Then I saw him yesterday, and he said, I listened to the first episode, thinking I've got loads of other podcasts in my backlog. If I like it, I'll keep listening to it. I'm now on episode 40. Like, great. <laughs> good stuff. People, it's a good podcast. Please listen to it. I know it sounds really braggy and shit of me to say, but I, we put so much work into it and it doesn't get near enough attention it deserves, I think. The thing is that it, I, it sounds like you're bragging, but ultimately the strength of the show is on the guests and the players. So I don't think that's a brag. I think that's you complimenting this, how how good everyone is well, on that show. knowing your characters on the show, LT, that's a yes, because your characters are fucking great. <laughs> 
Just occasionally, <laughs> I'll think of something very stupid and go, mm, yes, I'll write that down for later use. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, LT's episodes are later in the timeline. I recommend starting at the beginning, but honestly, yes. it doesn't matter. It's a time loop. It doesn't really matter where you start from. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, LT's characters are fucking... <laughs> incredibly stupid what more would you yeah. expect from a, a founder member of new legacy yeah <laughs> it's, it's just the best i mean it's my my favorite thing I've ever made and i'm very very proud of it and rightly so and do you want to plug your uh, personal twitter as well you can follow me on twitter as well at sitcand eddie that's s-i-t-c-a-n-n-e-d eddie sick as the other podcast i did uh you can find uh you can find this podcast on twitter r a relived you can find me on twitter at lt dangerous and if you would like to send an email into the show you can do so lt ruthless aggression at gmail.com i appreciate that is a quite lengthy email i apologize i couldn't think of a better one i'm stupid <laughs> uh as well as that if you like wrestling, if you like Ruthless Aggression, if you like video games, and chances are if you're listening to this podcast, you probably like all three, uh, you can join me on twitch.tv forward slash LT Dangerous, where every Wednesday we have Wrestling Wednesday, and we'll sometimes be playing games relating to the Ruthless Aggression era timeline, so we're currently working our way through WrestleMania 18, not the deepest game, it turns out. And we also have <laughs> Ruthless Universe, in which... I've got a 2K23 universe mode save with all the great champions of the Ruthless Aggression era, uh, all getting into all kinds of scrapes and silliness, and occasionally my girlfriend Darby joins me on commentary for that one, so that's all fun. Uh, Eddie, you're also on Twitch as well, twitch.tv forward slash sitcandeddy, if I uh, remember right. Yes, that's true. Sometimes we do... I play a lot of retro games, some XCOM... Sometimes some wrestling, uh, usually with a Budgeons universe, <laughs> so you can see Mother fight Tinky Winky as an example. Of course. Because why the fuck not? Why not? Um, I think the current world champion is Stitch, um, <laughs> and <laughs> the mid card champion is Toad from Mario, and uh, no one can beat him. It's making me pissed off, and no one can beat this fucking Toad. <laughs> so. You'll see. It's stupid. And, it's a stupid show. And, and, and in fairness, your XCOM stuff is usually quite funny as well, with like <laughs> voice packs and stuff. Yeah, it's got Gar- we've got Garfield on there. I think my favourite is you've got Principal Skinner, and when he when he moves, his movement noise is that. So yeah, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitch, and keep on listening to this podcast. And Eddie. It's been bloody great having you on, and I'd love to have you back on. In fact, I say that, I've already got you booked in for a couple, haven't I? So there we go. Yes, I'm happy to be back. This is my first wrestling podcast I've guested on. Oh, marvellous. So I'm very happy. And hopefully not your last, because you are good. Thank you. You're so welcome. Uh, And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, our next episode really, truly, honestly will be Divas Undressed this time. Um, What a shame, I missed that. uh, God damn it. (laughs) For that one, I'm joined by the incomparable and one-of-a-kind Katie Lawson, the only person who would not have me put (laughs) on a government watch list if I asked them to do that episode with me. Um, What? Oh my god, what a fucking nightmare of an episode. It's so (laughs) weird. It's surreal. It's... Oh, why? I I felt part of my soul leave my body as I watched it. And if you'd like to relive that joyous experience, then tune in next time on the Ruthless Aggression Relive podcast. I've been LT Fletcher, 
On behalf of Edgar O'Keefe, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you again next time. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> wasn't 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 the question, but <laughs> what was it? Yeah, July eleventh. Yeah, oh god. <laughs> I can't say the next episode will be out July eleventh because that's in the past. <laughs> yeah, that'd, yeah, that'd be awful. <laughs> that'd be <laughs> oh, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it would not be worth it for deepest <laughs> <laughs>